myself, but you know what, I, I don't think I can. Well, I totally understand that, Ed. I mean, after all, you did get yourself into this mess. But it's so easy to be drawn into destructive behavior. Well, it didn't seem destructive at the beginning. All I was trying to do is trying to find a way to get ahead, you know, find fulfillment. You know the demands that society has on all of us, the, the expectations. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 13. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So, dude, tell me, does anybody know, else know about this? Of course they do. It's all over Facebook. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. Another day at the old grind half over. So... How is everyone? Fine, I guess. Fine. Fine. Really? I would have thought after last night, Ed, you'd be a little bit more, I don't know, shaken up. Well, glad to hear you're doing fine. Um, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I went through a downward spiral, and I was left feeling very alone. You? You've been there? All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Of course, haven't we all strayed from what we know to be right? Sure, but I think the situation I'm in is far worse than anything anyone has ever done. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> you realize there will be consequences to face. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Hope. Yeah, hope you're going to wake up soon. This is going to all be a bad dream. I'm, I'm still working through my own situations. I mean, you never wake up. Oh, thanks for the encouragement, guys. Just try to be realistic. Life is a bunch of happenings randomly strung together, and you hope the good outweighs the bad. You know, I used to think like that. I think everybody does. That's, that's probably why we all say we're fine. It's a lot easier than saying we're, we're scared or, or lonely or, or feeling worthless. Yes, that is exactly what I used to think, but not anymore. What do you mean? Love. Love? Oh, let me guess. You fell in love and all was right with the world. Dave, cut okay. the, the... I want to hear this. <laughs> David's right. I did I fell in fall in love and with someone who's been in love with me for a very long time. Who, who is it? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. <clears throat> so what do you think Ed did? Uh, he hasn't told us yet, at, at least not at this point. But it's one of those situations that we all get ourselves into, isn't it? You know, we do things and we say things that we just should not have done and we should not have said. Um, and we regret them, sometimes deeply. But in the process, we create uh, the mess that life sometimes becomes. And we have to then live with the consequences. For a lot of people, it's quite a stretch to connect those times with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I'd like to draw a pretty clear and direct line between the two this morning. 
Because where, where, where Ed is at, embarrassment, um, even shame, feeling afraid, alone, unworthy, too often that's part of life for us, isn't it? Ephesians, uh, which has been read for us today throughout this first vignette, begins and ends on the same note. Did you notice? Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins which, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Um, that's quite a statement. <laughs> As for you, you were dead. Dead apparently because of our transgressions. That's simply breaking or transgressing a law, the law of God. And because of our sins, that's aiming for something. This is the biblical concept behind the word sin. It's like an archer aiming for a target and shooting but missing. You know, we have an aim in mind for our lives, which we seek and we long for, but we too often miss. The good life, we call it, but somehow we can't quite take hold of it. And we break this law of God, this beautiful, grace-filled, wise, joy-giving law. And life just gets messed up too often. If the passage begins with this reflection on death, listen to verses 4 and 5, which have been read for us. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, there it is again. It is by grace you have been saved. You know, dead, it's the Bible's way of describing the nature of our lives without Jesus. Spiritual deadness, if you would, out of which the messed up moments of life emerge. It's, it's the starting point, if you would, in life that God in and through Jesus wishes to save us from. Think of Adam and Eve. They were told, if you eat of this particular tree, you will surely, what? Die. And they ate of the tree, and they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. A spiritual death which changed them internally and took them from life with God and from life in God, and they became, in their experience, dead toward Him. Think of physical death, which leaves a person without life, without capacity, without ability to see or to hear or to speak or to know things or to love. It's the same thing when we're spiritually dead toward God. We're without capacity, without capacity to see Him and to understand and to believe the things of God. It's not possible. We're without capacity to hear Him speaking into our lives, telling us of His love and of His presence and, and of His wisdom. We're without capacity to know him. He is a distant God to us. And with the, uh, without the capacity to love God, our hearts are resistant toward him, rebellious toward him, pushing back and fighting against him. The spiritual dynamic which Adam and Eve had experienced when they were filled with a, a joy uh, and a trust in God no longer exists in this instance. We, like them, have been cast from God, cast from a relationship with Him, and are as if dead to Him in our hearts. 
people in this situation, Jesus himself described, he said, they have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. So like Ed, we end up um, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature or our flesh, doing what we feel like doing. Um, and out of that reality and out of living under the power, as the text said, of the spirit of the air who is the devil, we often end up creating quite a mess in life. Doing what feels right, my friends, but leaving us in that position where we just wish we hadn't. Regretting our words, regretting our actions, and shaking our heads at ourselves. You see, sin is a powerful force in us. It's real. And it does damage. It does damage, obviously, in our relationship with God and to our relationship with God. It does damage in our relationship with other people, our relationships. And we end up living not what could be and not what we long for. What did Ed do? We don't know. But we do know why he did it. Into this life of ours, God through Scripture speaks. And he longs for us to hear. And he says, we need to be saved. And that, my friends, is where Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection to new life come into play. It's through his sacrifice and his resurrection that we begin to come alive to God. It is by grace you have been saved. So, let me get this straight. You're trying to tell us that you and God have this so-called relationship going on. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can't see him. You can't touch him. How do you even know he's there? How do you even know he's real? Through faith. Through faith and my understanding of his word. So, by reading the Bible, you've manufactured up some belief that God is real and is in love with you? And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So you have a list of do's and don'ts that you have to follow for God to love you? That sounds like a lot of work to me. <laughs> I could do it. I mean, if I had the list and all. Not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I was feeling really alone, you know? It felt like my life was falling apart. Some was by my own hand, but others were circumstances beyond my control. I just had this fear overtake me, you know, and I, I didn't know who I was. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. I didn't think I knew what my purpose was, to do good work, which pr God prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah, I get that. I think we're all looking for that one thing that, that makes life make sense, you know, give purpose. Um, I guess if it works for you, Jessica, I mean... If you're into that sort of thing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. 
that's just it, Phil. It's not just for me. God's love is for everyone, all of us, so much so that he sacrificed his only son to pay for our sins, our, our wrongdoings, even our mess-ups. So you're telling me that Jesus gave his life for me? That he knew I'd be in existence and, and I'd make a mess of it and hurt those closest to me, and, and yet he was willing to die for me? Just let you know, Ed, I'd never do that for you. I don't know why Jesus would. I mean, we don't do anything for him. We don't know him. I mean, I can't even think if I've ever even prayed. I mean, there's no hope. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. He's here right now. Where? <laughs> you know, before I met Jesus, my life was just one crisis after another. I mean, sure, there were some good times, but that fear, it just took a hold of me. I, I was always afraid of being judged. I, I became obsessed with my work and material things. I, I, I was trying to pursue what the world thought was successful, you know? And I did things that I regretted. I lost hope. I, I didn't think I mattered. So what changed? A friend introduced me to Jesus. Did you hear those words? A friend introduced me to Jesus. What do you think takes a person from spiritual death to spiritual life? Well, I want to suggest today that often it is simply them experiencing an introduction to the person of Christ, through which something starts to happen in them. You see, God begins working, and it's usually something that happens slowly. But faith begins to form in people. They start to see what they couldn't see before. Understand with their minds that God is, and God's alive, and God is here. They start to hear what they couldn't hear before. As God speaks gently into their lives, and they begin to grasp what he says, that Jesus died for them and for their sin, that he loves them with all of his heart, and that he is so willing to forgive them. You see, God works, God speaks, and as people continue to hear, faith is born in their lives. Ephesians 2.8 says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich, that's Ephesians 2, 4. Ephesians 2, 8, please. Thank you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Um, what the Bible is saying here, what God may be speaking to you right now, and what he may be opening your eyes to see is that by just believing in Christ, we are brought from death to life. And we start, if you would, in that instance, to talk back to the God who has talked to us. And we find ourselves in this relationship with a living God. And all of a sudden, our hearts become alive in Him. The Old Testament prophets have written that God would replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. Can you envision that with me? 
See the picture? A stone heart is in us. It is dead toward God. It is unmoved and it is unmoving. It is as cold as stone. But what God does is replace that heart with one that is alive and that is beating, that is filled at first with interest about this relationship with God, and then comes to understand that God loves us and fills with love for him, and then is filled ultimately with a passion for the Lord, the living Lord Jesus, whom we have come to know. As Ephesians says, we are saved by grace, not by works, so that we cannot boast about earning our salvation. No, it's God acting in us. It is God giving us something we don't deserve. Instead of distance and alienation from him, we get closeness to God. He draws close to us, and he draws us close to him. Instead of judgment and condemnation, he gives us forgiveness and acceptance and love. Instead, ultimately, of getting hell, we get heaven. The result, it's not that life is lived without problems, um, but it is a life where we as people start to live with the Lord. We start to live out of this truth and wisdom found in the Bible. And as God speaks through that incredible book and our hearts beat for him, we want to obey him. And we are empowered by his spirit so that we can do what God and we long for us to do. And a lot of the mess which once so we lived with starts to recede. And again, it doesn't happen in a big hurry. But it happens as we take hold of the purpose of God which we have been made for. The Bible says we are God's craftsmanship. Every single one of us has been formed by God. Verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 2 says this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. <laughs> this God who has formed us and this God who has saved us, this God who has come into our lives and revealed himself to us by his spirit, he touches our hearts. And not only do we love God with passion, we start to love other people and we see their needs and we really want to help people and we want to make a difference with their lives by doing the things that God has prepared for us to do. Listen to Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's out of great love for you and for me that God has made us alive in him. And in this life, my friends, if we have known fear, it begins to subside as we slowly start to believe that God can handle any challenge we face, so much so that we literally come to a place where we learn to give those challenges to him and see him work in power, recognizing we don't have to handle them on our own. If isolation and loneliness has been part of our lives, lives, it begins to die back as we refuse to hide anymore, no longer hiding the reality of who we are from God, no longer hiding the reality of who we are from one another, for we live by grace. And if there's been a sense of unworthiness in our lives, that too begins to decline as we realize that God 
loves me. And I am worthy because he considers me worthy. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, written by Paul, the same author as Ephesians. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Critical question for every one of us here is this. Are we dead or are we alive? Are we dead to God and toward him? Or have we come alive to him? Are we saved or are we unsaved? It's one or the other. Distant and alienated from God or close to him? In relationship with God or not? Heart as cold as stone toward this one who has died for us. Or beating in love with, alive to the risen Lord Jesus. My friends, God wishes to save us. He wishes and desires to save you. He wants you alive in him. He wants you seeing and understanding the things that he sees and understands. He wants you hearing as he speaks into your mind and into your heart through his word. He wants you, by the way, speaking back to him through prayer and through praise. He wants you to know his love and he wants you to love him in return. Hearts beating strongly for the Lord and for his purposes in this life. So this morning, my friends, are you alive or are you yet dead? Wow, Jessica, that's an amazing story. You know, everything Christ did for us, he, he did for you, Ed, and you, Phil, and you, David, and for each one of you. You said he's here right now. Always. Could you introduce us? Take me as I am, take my life. 
And now, because of Jesus, dying that death, shedding that blood, you, who were once out of everything, are now in on everything with him. You know, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the centerpiece in the story of God in this world. It's the centerpiece of the scriptural story. It's, it's the grand theme. It's at the heart of the grand theme of what the Bible tells us. The story began in Eden. God created a perfect world without sin and without evil and without violence and without injustice and without hurt and brokenness. It was as God desired it. And then he created Adam and Eve, people who knew life as it was, meant to be lived in him. It was right and it was good. But then the tragic event happened. Because of disbelief and disobedience, they were expelled from the garden. They rebelled against God and they rebelled against what he had spoken, his word, and it produced a distance between human beings and God, spiritual death. The story didn't end there, thank God. So God put a plan in place to remedy things, to make things right. He created a people called Israel, and he formed a covenant relationship with them, an absolute commitment of himself to those people, to love them, to be their God, to bless them, to guide them. And they formed an absolute commitment, a, a covenant relationship with God to be faithful to him, to love him, to serve him, to worship him. But it wasn't enough. God became closer, yes, but was still, if you would, at a distance. His presence was in the tabernacle and later in a temple, but he was hidden behind a veil. Hidden from them, still at a distance. Their hearts were still often too hard. So God sent his son, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one who had been in relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity for eternity past. One who was loved and who was precious was sent to die in a cross for us. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin so that we could be brought close again. We've heard today Ephesians 2.13 from the message. It says this. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Another translation puts it this way. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. My friends, Jesus died and he rose again. Why? Because God had a plan for this whole world of ours. An end to death and suffering. A vision of what would be and what will be where justice and righteousness would reign again in this world. The whole of creation, my friends, to be put right just as it once was. And in the midst of the creation of that dynamic reality, my friends, I want to tell you too, Jesus died and rose again for you and for me so that we who were far away might be brought close again to him, brought near to him again. You see, sin had to be addressed. This thing which came between human beings and God, that rebel rebellious and disbelieving and, and disobedience which separated us from God. And in Christ, God dealt with it so that we might simply come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for all of it. I confess my sin to you, all my wrongs, so that we might be brought into a life-changing relationship with God by and through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, it's God who makes us alive in Christ. It's God who unites us with himself. But it's, my friends, it is we who get to say yes to the offer of salvation. It is we who get to say yes to this relationship with God, to this joy in knowing him, to this experience of God present and real to our lives, this opportunity of being loved by him and loving him in return. It's we who get to say yes to submitting our lives in obedience to the God who loves us. And as we do, distance disappears. As the angel said to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, just before Jesus' birth, he said, this one to be born in Mary, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, God to the whole world with a massive job to take care of, but you know what? Yes, God present to me, Emmanuel, God with me now. And in the end, the question becomes, who is willing to say yes to the Lord Jesus whose heart has been made new, whose heart is now beating for and with and in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, who is willing in faith to admit, you know, I am no different than Adam and Eve were, who is willing to admit that our disbelief and our disobedience and our rebellion and our uh, distance is not what we want anymore. And who is willing to ask forgiveness of sin, our sin, from the God who has made a way for our forgiveness to become a reality? I want to tell you here today, my friends, when we do this, we find ourselves at the turning point of our lives. It's a moment when God becomes real to us and when God comes so close he comes by his spirit, the Bible says, who dwells within us. And that relationship, once lost, is found again. 
in that place, we come to know what we were created to know. What every human being has been created to know. It becomes reality again. My friends, it's here that the story of God becomes alive to us. And it's here where our story can intersect with that story which God has written. It's where we get caught up in that story. It's where we get caught up in what God is doing in this world. It's where we come alive in Him. Now, it's pretty obvious that Jesus isn't physically with us here today to shake our hands or to give us a hug. Although I did love that part of our drama. But I want to tell you, my friends, He is here by His Spirit to hear our prayer as we commit our heart's desire and communicate it to him. And I want to ask here this morning, who wants that closeness? Who wants that relationship? Who wants to know his presence and his love and his grace and his joy that is found through faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? How we enter into that is by simply saying yes to Jesus. There may be some people here today who maybe ha have lived with that heart of stone too long and they sense even here this morning that their heart's beginning to beat for God. Something's changing and there's a desire within them to just say, yes, Lord Jesus, yes. Yes, forgive my sin. Yes, I believe in you. Yes, I open my life to you and I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. From this moment on, I am yours. Let's do life together. And for those who have said that yes to Jesus before, what we do for the rest of our lives is continue to say yes to him. Yes, Lord Jesus, I love you. Yes, I continue to draw close to you as you've drawn, drawn close to me. Yes, I want more than anything else to do your will. Yes, I want to discover your purpose for my life for which you have made me. Yes, I want to know your call in my life. Our life becomes out of a heart beating and alive in Jesus. A yes to God. We're going to finish before we sing and conclude today with an opportunity for quiet reflection and prayer. For me to give you an opportunity, if you wish, to say yes to the Lord. He is with us by his spirit and in a very real way to wrap his arms of love around us as we simply open our arms to wrap our arms of love around him. If you're sensing God at work in you today, will you say yes to him? Will you say yes, Lord Jesus, as I've suggested, come into my life, forgive my sin. Let's go forward together. Will you say yes, Lord, have your way in me, for my heart is yours. Let's pray in quietness now.
Lord God, the most amazing thing that we can do is say yes to you. The most amazing thing we can encounter is our hearts, which were once made of stone, being brought to life. That our hearts are now made of flesh, which beat for the living God. Lord, for those who have said yes to you today, we praise you. Lord, for the cross of Christ and and the sacrifice that he made so that we can find forgiveness, we praise you. Lord, for the resurrection of Jesus. Father, you breathing life into your son's dead body, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, now that we can know him, now for that possibility to become real in our lives, for you to have come to reveal yourself to us so that we might see and hear and love in response. God, how we thank you for what you have done. Let us leave this place in a few minutes, Lord, ready eager, passionate to live in relationship with you, to live in that relationship which is filled with love and trust and joy and grace and goodness, all because Jesus has come. Jesus has died and because Jesus has been raised to new life. This we pray in his name. I invite you all to stand as we continue to worship.